Hi, everyone. Just before we get going, I want to remind you that everything we talk about and discuss should not be considered as investment advice. The purpose of what we talk about on Catherine Murray Media and Markets on YouTube, as well as Catherine Murray in conversation with on my podcast, should be viewed as informational and entertainment purposes only. Please definitely do your own research, your own homework, and definitely consult an investment professional before making any investment decisions. And also to note, some of us might hold positions in some of the stocks uh, that we discuss. Hi, everyone. Uh, Welcome to your top five at five. So pleased to continue to bring this great content to you. Um, Today, we've got Barry Schwartz. He's the Vice President and Chief Investment Officer at Baskin Wealth Management. Barry, great to have you on in, in this format. Thanks so much for joining us. Catherine, it's wonderful to see you. Thank you. we got a lot to get through in 20 minutes. That's kind of the goal here. And, and your top five stocks, um, you know, given the market, it's, it's down today. Um, and, and really the focus name in the market is Facebook. Yes. Meta. Um, and, and one of your top stocks you're going to talk to us about today is in fact Facebook. So let's talk what in the world went on. Why is the stock down 20%? Why do you still like it? Yeah, I think it's down 25%. So like that's so shocking to see one of the world's biggest companies down so much. This is a uh, shoot first and ask questions later type of market. I'm not sure why uh, the market is so grumpy or the algorithms are so uh, crazy on some of these stocks. We saw Netflix down a lot after it missed earnings with PayPal. Uh, We'll have Amazon earnings soon. I mean... God forbid it misses. So the the bottom line for us with Facebook is if you've owned Facebook for a long time, which we have and our clients have, uh, drops like this, unfortunately, are nothing new. In 2018, Facebook missed its earnings expectations. The stock dropped, I think, 20% the next day. And I remember the headlines were the exact same thing that's happening now. Oh, no. How are they going to grow? So much competition, so much regulatory stuff. Everybody hates them. Delete Facebook. Get out of it. I I get those points. And uh, my retort back to investors is, well, now the stock is incredibly cheap. You're not giving it any credit for the fact that it has 1.9 billion active users, people checking it multiple times a day. Uh, and uh, this company has to continually reinvent itself. So it's facing challenges from TikTok, from Netflix, from YouTube, from Apple and Google that uh, seem to want to crowd out uh, these social media stocks. And hey, no yeah. company, yeah, no story, no story is without its warts. I mean, I wish I could come on to your program and say, uh, here's a stock and, and the straight line going forward for the stock price is going to be up and to the right. It doesn't work that way, uh, but uh, we, we think there's great opportunities going forward for Facebook. Yeah, it was interesting because when I looked at the numbers and there was a, 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 there were misses in terms of some of the active users, et cetera, engagement was down, um, but the number, the misses weren't huge. No, it, it's all about the guidance, Catherine, right? So no one cares about what you, what you did uh, on December 31st. It's about what you think is going to happen over the next three or six months. Facebook is uh, lapping some really tough comparables from the prior year. Uh, this is a, a really uh, 
I hate to use the word endemic, but because we're oh. in a pandemic, but this is the uh, result of what has happened for a lot of companies. They just had enormous growth in 2020 and 2021, and that can't continue. Facebook, prior to COVID, its growth was slowing. Uh, then, of course, we had the COVID boon. Everybody was stuck at home, online shopping, checking their phones. What else is there to do? Now, as the pandemic recedes and becomes hopefully endemic, people can go out and do things and less reliant on some of these stay-at-home type platforms. It doesn't mean they're uh, going bankrupt. It doesn't mean that their results are going to be terrible. But uh, the expectations uh, for the street, for investors, obviously was way too high. And so just in terms of looking at the valuation, I don't know if you have the metrics in front of you, but, but what is attractive about it on a valuation perspective right now? And then, and then also, what's, when you think about Facebook and you think about the growth, what, what is the growth? And I'm not saying they have to like hit it out of the park, but like, hmm. what is the fundamentals that keeps us excited about the company? For sure. So we have 1.9 billion active users. And what they're trying to do with those 1.9 billion active users is to get them to uh, spend money and uh, and stay on the platforms, right? And so it's still the best place for local advertisers, small businesses, large businesses to get curated at, uh, a list of people who are actively paying attention. Um, so they, they need to monetize those users and what they call it is average revenue per user. And if you look at those charts that's posted on uh, Meta's investor relations site, those numbers are increasing. So the number of users isn't going to increase, but hopefully the average revenue that they can generate from active users will continue to grow over time. How do they do that? By charging advertisers more money uh, to access those users. Uh, the problem is right now it, with Apple and the changing of some targeting advertising is that Facebook isn't able to provide as good data to advertisers. It's hoping that they will figure out a workaround. They're working hard on it. And we're hopeful that over time, those that average revenue that it generates from users will continue to go up. In the same time, they're hoping to add more services, more products, get people to do more things. That's why they're launching this metaverse. And mm -hmm. so if you have those active users, you launch more services, you get more revenue, uh, that will be a good story. Is the growth going to be 40% of a year anymore? No, it's going to slow down to 10 or 15%. You know what? That's still very attractive for a stock that probably is going to earn around $14 a share in 2022. The stock's trading at, I see, $245 today. But uh, the it's also perfect balance sheet, generating an enormous amount of free cash flow and investing for the future. So you put that all together, I think the stock's trading around 15 or 16 times earnings for a yeah. company that's probably going to grow revenue 10 or 15% a year for a number of years. This is an attractive, but right now the market just hates selling. I hate yeah. it. I want it out of my portfolio. I can't believe I own it. Sell. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, we've done Facebook. Um, let, let's move on to Netflix. Yeah, so this is another one that uh, took a real big stumble uh, the last uh, few days after reporting its earnings, and then all of a sudden uh, shot up because Bill Ackman of uh, Pershing Square uh, noted that he bought a significant stake in the company. And he's he, he's on fire, Bill, in terms of his few stock picks over the last little while. He's uh, redeemed himself from the valiant uh, disaster. 
Oh yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> what what's the um what's the interest though in Netflix these days? You know, well, and there is a lot of competition. Oh, for sure. But I think Netflix is kind of like the utility. It's 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 the one you're always gonna go to first and then maybe check, oh, what's on Disney? What's on Amazon Prime? Well, there's nothing on Disney. I'm gonna get rid of Disney, but keep uh, Netflix, right? It has the most content, the most original new content coming on every, so much coming on every month. They're the biggest, so they get the economies of scale uh, and really a, a nice flywheel to, as they get more subscribers to buy more content, to reward those subscribers. Uh, the growth is slowing there too. I mean, these companies can't continue to grow at such huge uh, rates anymore. But on the other hand, you're not paying a very high multiple for the earnings. And most importantly, we think Netflix is now going to be free cash flow positive, right? It now has so many subscribers, its content spend growth is slowing. So what's remaining after that is just uh, excess cash. And it says it's going to use that excess cash to start buying back stock or make acquisitions. So we're pretty excited about what's going to happen over the next few years. And Barry, when we think about Netflix and, and how it originally started, right, with the red box, renting videos at the grocery store. Yeah, grocery, yeah. Right? What do, and now, we, now this is a completely different company. Um, what, do, what do we think about, or I don't know if we know or the companies, you know, talking about this on any kind of conference call, but what do we think might be their next area? I mean, obviously they're doing this, but do we know anything else that they're looking at? So the goal for Netflix and all these platforms, whether it's Facebook or Google or Apple, is engagement. It's to continue to uh, keep you interested, keep you paying attention, adding more customers, and then hopefully getting you to spend more money on more services going forward. Netflix has been pretty adamant that it's not going to launch ads, that it's not going to charge you uh, for video games, which is an area that it's interested in getting into. Um, but once you have a platform like this with so many customers, uh, over time, hopefully Netflix will continue to raise prices. So as Netflix, when Netflix first started, it had uh, you know, much lower prices than it does today, as well as different tiers. Uh, you know, now they've been allowed uh, with a higher bandwidth, you can get better quality video, you can add more people watching it in your house. So, uh, but really the growth for Netflix is outside North America. Uh, there's just so much potential in other countries. And mm -hmm. I, I think they've really scratched the surface in, in some countries. I mean, they can't get into China, but uh, you know, as, as the, the broadband improves around the world, the thesis is Netflix will get more customers, have localized content and be able to slowly increase prices uh, uh, over time. Okay. Um, let's take a look at another one. Um, Charter Communications. And, and by the way, everybody, these are all U.S. companies we're going to be talking about today. Charter, CHTR is the ticker there. Yeah. So I, when I think about the types of things in my life that I can't live without, I think, uh -huh. aside from my wife and my family and my yeah. job, uh, I mean, is the internet. I, like, how can... So I have two young boys, 17 and 14, when the internet goes out in the house, there's hell to pay, right? Screaming, yeah. yelling, oh my God, there's nothing to do. Fix it, can't you fix? Like, it's a disaster. And mm -hmm. so Charter is a uh, play on 
providing cable and broadband service in the U.S. It, it, it has about it has it has access to about 50 plus million homes in the U.S. There's wow. 140 million plus homes in the U.S. So still long runway of growth for it to uh, acquire new customers. And it targets um, similar to the U.S. Canadian guys. Uh, it targets uh, residential homes and businesses and slowly offering more bundles, including mobile plans as well. But its bread and butter is, is broadband, internet connection, and cable connection. And uh, its bread and butter as well as having very low prices and, and fast internet connections. And so- uh, who, who would be their competitors then? Uh, Comcast or AT&T, Verizon. So okay. yeah, even though the U.S. is a, a ten, almost 10 times bigger than Canada, there are fewer competitors than we have uh, in terms of mobile and, and, uh, and uh, I guess. What, what, why Charter, though, versus a Comcast? Like, what is it about them? Excellent question. So Comcast is a much more diversified company. It has its theme park business, Universal Studios. It owns uh, actual networks like NBC and Peacock. And uh, it's been, in our opinion, a, uh, a lousy allocator of capital. It, oh. it is trying to get growth. I think at one point Comcast tried to buy Walt Disney. It, it's bid for uh, assets outside North America where a charter says, we're just a pure play cable company and we're going to use all excess free cash flow to buy back stock. And it's been a brilliant uh, capital allocation story for investors. The, Canadian investors are familiar, obviously, with Rogers and, and Bell and TELUS. Those companies are really focused on paying dividends with the excess capital, whereas Charter just buys back stock. And uh, if you look at the stock chart, it's clearly working for Charter. It's not a fast-growing business, maybe 5 to 7% revenue growth, but it's a levered play on, uh, on, on buybacks, and it's, they've, they've, they've done a great job. And uh, what's the valuation like, and do you ever see them paying a dividend? I don't think so. I, they, this is a John Malone story. John Malone is a, f, a famous cable investor in the U.S., uh, owned Liberty, sold the company TCI Communications to AT&T. He's a billionaire, and he has a major interest in charter communication along with a number of other companies. Um, his story, his claim to fame is using leverage to buy back stock. And yeah. hopefully one day trying to sell it. I mean, there are some people that think uh, the end game for Charter is a sale of the company to Verizon or at AT&T. Who knows? Uh, it seems unlikely with AT&T's balance sheet right now. But uh, do we ever see them paying a dividend? No, that's not in the playbook. As for the valuation, Catherine, it is very attractive. It, uh, at one point uh, in the last few weeks, given the market pullback, it was trading around eight or nine times enterprise value to EBITDA which is more of a metric that people use uh, for cable companies. It was actually trading at a discount to the Canadian companies, which makes no sense because mm -hmm. Charter does not have as much communication, uh, as much, uh, sorry, as much uh, competition and regulation uh, and, and much faster growth. I, you know, for example, uh, Rogers and Bell are only growing at one or 2% a year. So Charter mm -hmm. is a better story in our opinion. And sorry, what's the growth rate on Charter, do you think? It's about 5 to 7% a year in terms of okay. revenue growth. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I told you this before we started, but I did buy Charter at like at when it was 2 to $3 right out yeah. of bankruptcy. And I got so frustrated, I sold it. So 
this is a great lesson for all investors. (laughs) You're convincing me. I'm not convincing, but like, I'm going to take another look at it even now. Um, Okay. And I'm keeping us honest to time. Like I said, I would to everybody. So um, now this other company, I don't know it. What's what's co what's co ticker W S O in New York. Um, So this company uh, it's came to mind for me over Christmas when my furnace went out. Mm. So uh, you can't re- you can't live very long in Toronto without a furnace, uh, especially during COVID when no one wants you in their house. So Watsco is the leading provider distributor of uh, HVAC parts in U.S. and Canada. Huh. And yeah, so it's a it's a provider of, of things that you cannot live without. And it's, it's claim to fame, its track record is really making smart acquisitions over time. It's a roll-up story. It started as a, a, a small distributor and, and has built up its distribution network all across the US. Um, it has a market share of about 15%, so still very small. And mm-hmm. as it gets bigger, it's able to provide contractors. So that's who it sells to, the contractors that come and actually do the work on your furnace or air conditioning. Uh, the parts, it has the, 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 the most inventory, the best ordering system, uh, 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 salespeople on staff to help if there's any issues. So, you know, if you're a small contractor, a small HVAC repair company, you want to get reliable service, you want to get reliable parts and good pricing, you're probably going to go to the biggest, biggest guy on the street, which is Watsco. Um, unlike a charter, which we just talked about, which is focusing on buying back stock, Watsco is focusing on dividends. Mm. It, has a, it, ha- it has a terrific track record of increasing its dividend over time. And um, the management has a very interesting compensation scheme. They're not allowed to sell stock until they retire. So they, have, they must buy shares, hold those shares, and can't sell them. So if they can't sell them, they're going to want dividends. Interesting. Well, I'm going to take a look at that one as well. Okay. Yeah. And valuation is obviously somewhat attractive. It's not, it's not cheap, but it's probably trading at around uh, 25 to 30 times earnings uh, for 2022. It has a 2.5% dividend yield. But I think this is one where you can't, like, this is Amazon, kind of Amazon proof. You can't install an air conditioner by yourself. You can't install HVAC by yourself. So, um, you know, and it has such great relationships with those contractors, as well as the original equipment manufacturers, that I think Mm -hmm. it's uh, really established itself for long-term growth going forward. Okay, Um, great. And then the last one that you bring us today is Visa. Yeah, which, which its stock really hasn't gone anywhere over the past couple of years, although I think uh, in the last month or so kind of picked up a little bit as people are recognizing that Visa has an incredible business inside Visa, which is cross-border payment processing, hmm. right? So when you go on vacation outside Canada or you're in the U.S. and you go to Europe and you use your Visa card, it's essentially free money for Visa. Uh, the margins on processing transactions, if you stay in a hotel overseas or you use your visa card for a restaurant, is just 100% margins. And huh. of course, during COVID, when no one was traveling or canceling their trips, that, was, that, that business went to pretty, was pretty lousy. But um, 
it's picked up uh, over Christmas time, and hopefully, it, it as COVID recedes uh, and the summer travel season picks up, Visa is going to generate enormous returns from that part of its business. In the meantime, no one's using cash anywhere. People are online shopping. Uh, you know, there's lots of competition. There's PayPal. There's uh, Stripe. There's Adyen. There's you name it, but they all run on the Visa rails. So I don't care which, which one people own, Visa or MasterCard. I just think these are just wonderful businesses that uh, have fallen to attractive levels. And is there anything from PayPal's quarter that we should think about as it relates to Visa? And, yes. and the, it was down if anybody's not watching that one. Yeah, no, that was nasty, a nasty move on PayPal. Um, so Visa actually reported a few weeks before PayPal similar quarters, and, and it was a stark difference. Visa said uh, <laughs> things are going great. We, we expect a, a strong year, whereas PayPal lowered its guidance and expected a, a rough year. PayPal uh, has many fewer transactions and really more people to people than people to businesses. So that's, that's the difference between PayPal and Visa. I'm very attracted to PayPal. I think uh, the valuation is uh, crazy low here, uh, 400 plus million users, and the people who use it love it a lot. Canadians don't, don't really use PayPal a lot. We email transfer money to each other, yeah. but uh, in U.S., it's, it, it, it's a dominant platform. And um, with Visa, what's, what's the dividend? Is it, do we care? It doesn't. It's not the story. I, I, if you look at the long term, it is a good dividend um, growth story. I, I think it raises okay. dividend in, in December 17%. So, I mean, a dividend increase is a nice tell by management that they're confident about, about the upcoming year. It's also a, a, a share buyback story, right? So I, it, I think it announced a $12 billion share buyback uh, on a $400 plus billion market cap company. That's, 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 pretty, uh, that's pretty reasonable. And what's the valuation like? Yeah, so we expect uh, Visa to earn about seven plus dollars uh, uh, in 2022. So it's trading around. I mean, it, it doesn't sound cheap, cheap at 30 times 2021, 2022 earnings. But this is a company that is probably one of the greatest franchises the world has ever seen. And uh -huh. comparable businesses can trade up to 35 to 40 times earnings. Uh, and we expect better days ahead, of course, as travel starts to pick up and people uh, start leaving their houses and, and, and spending money on, yeah. uh, on, on doing things. Yeah, and I think American Express highlighted that in their quarter as well, that they're actually seeing a nice pickup to almost, I think, I think pre-pandemic levels are certainly significant. Yeah, well, American Express is even more levered to travel, as you know, and certainly on the higher end. Whereas Visa processes transactions for, you know, uh, people of, of all income levels, American Express is the much higher yeah. spend. And uh, that, you know, if you really are excited about travel, that, that would probably be the better way to play it. 